Can, 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 I, can, I, can I tell you something? The best music is when you get off script. Oh, the best music is when it's from the heart, unscripted. Yeah, yeah, I know you might not hit the notes at just the right time, but that's when it's coming straight from the heart. When you're singing with your eyes closed, that's the best kind of music. He's just that kind of God. And guess what? God can take disjointed sounds and make a song out of it. He's able to do that. And remember now, we're not singing to each other. We're singing to him. Because he's worthy. He's worthy. He's just that kind of God. My Lord, wait on him. Nobody like, like Jesus. Wait on him. That was awesome. The women's tribute choir. We can just take that tribute off. Yeah, ain't nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it. Thank y'all so much for your gift. A song today. We thank you. Thank you. Yes. So for the last couple of weeks, we've been trying to talk about the importance of fathers. We've been talking about the role that fathers play in our community, and we didn't want to reduce it to the singular Sunday on the calendar year that we talk about men and fathers. We wanted to talk about it a little bit more in depth than that. And so the first week we talked about the choice that all fathers have to make when it comes to determining which, which pathway their home, they will follow first of all, and then which pathway they will lead their family. And we use Joshua as an example of the choice he made. And then last week we talked about the process of becoming a father how it's an evolution. And you're certainly not the same father, prayerfully, when your children become adults as you are on the day they're born. And we used as a scriptural basis for that message what we all know as the parable of the lost son. Some of us call it the parable of the prodigal son. But I came to tell you this morning that there's a little prodigal in all of us. So don't point the finger at that, that boy simply because he had the gall, the nerve, the conviction to stand up and say what was truly on his heart to his father. And like we told you last week, every father who is really a father knows his child. And so that father didn't get upset with that child. No, no. In fact, he knew if he didn't give what the child asked for, it was just a matter of time before he would just leave anyway. And so he allowed him to exercise the demons that were in him. And unfortunately, in the exorcism of those demons sometimes, it takes us to some places. Those places are not good. 
but there's always a loving father who's back there waiting and praying and watching and preparing, always back there waiting. And so today, I want to move just a little bit different direction in terms of dealing with daddies. Because this is a problem that I had when I was growing up. Anytime there was something going on with me primarily, the person I went and talked to was my mom. I couldn't talk, and I didn't talk to my dad. He seemed to be a mountain. And if I didn't have to climb that mountain, I didn't. It was easier for me to go and see my, dad, my mama for a lot of reasons. But I can tell you right now that every father in here wants to be the kind whose children can come talk to him. Every father in here or father figure in here wants to be able to impart whatever he has learned in life to his children. And so there shouldn't be any fear. And if there is, then that's something that has to be worked on. And I think there's a scriptural example, I know there is, of how we can learn to do better when it comes to communicating with our Father. It comes from the Gospel according to St. Matthew. You're familiar with it. It's probably the most intimate conversation you'll find in Scripture of a boy talking to his father. And when you look into the Scripture, you will see all of the relationship unfold between the father and the son right there in that Scripture. If you'll let me read it in your hearing, Matthew 6, 9, and 13, you know it. Jesus said these words, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I know, I know you've been taught that this is a model prayer. But all a prayer is, is a communication. And how you communicate with someone depends on who you're communicating with and your relationship to them. If you peel back the layers of this prayer, then you'll see the uniqueness of the relationship between Jesus Christ and God the Father. And I think there are some lessons that you and I can learn, not just from a spiritual standpoint, but from a, from a fleshly standpoint or from a natural standpoint as well. But first I want to tell you this. There's some myths that keep going around in our community, I'm talking about the black community, that need to be dispelled, all right? Because we keep, we keep rehearsing it over and over again. I must confess that I probably have been part of it sometimes. And I want to correct the error. We often say that our community is plagued by fatherlessness. That's not true. 
That's not true. Despite what you see going on around our community, fatherlessness is not the problem. All right? Not fatherlessness. Because people have incorrectly defined fatherlessness as a living arrangement. In other words, because your daddy don't live in the house doesn't mean you don't have a father. It just means they're not living in the house together. It doesn't mean your father is not a part of your life on a regular basis. They're just not living in the house together. And so we're not struggling with a fatherlessness problem. We may be struggling with an identity issue. We may be struggling with a discipline issue. We may be struggling with an education issue, but fatherlessness isn't the problem. In fact, in fact, there's a notion out there that 70% of black children are fatherless. That is a myth. That's a myth. Now, if it was just Andre talking, then you could probably brush this aside. But if I pull some evidence from some noted statisticians, then perhaps you'll put more credence in it. How about the Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta? We know that place. We sent Jeff over there to work for him. <laughs> Dr. Jeff Hall is over there working for him right now. And he keeps on coming up. This isn't his study, although he's given us some dynamic information from some of the studies he's been doing. He sent me a message and said that he has found a, an empirical connection between children whose parents take them to church and later positive outcomes than children who do not go into any spiritual connection. He said, basically, if your folk take you to church, you tend to do better in life than those who don't. Not because he said so, but because the data would tend to indicate that you got positive outcomes from that. But here, Centers for Disease Control verifies that the majority of black fathers actually live with their children. The majority of black fathers actually live with their children. In fact, there are 2.5 million who do versus 1.7 million who don't. The majority live with their children. So we cannot continue to put this out there that just because you're not living in the same house, you can't be an effective member of the community. Now, how we deal in those circumstances may be different. But we got enough wrong in our community, y'all. We got enough negative in our community. The stuff that's going all right, we need to celebrate. And what we need to celebrate is that most fathers, regardless of their education level, regardless of their income level, regardless of the circumstances that they may put themselves in, want to and fight to be a part of their children's lives. And we need to celebrate that because that's important. Now, there's a day that comes when children and family express their love to their father. But if you've not had a good relationship, Anthony, with your father, then it's hard for you to make those expressions. If you're struggling as a young person to even communicate on day-to-day -day things, then when days like today come around, you really can't tell your father. 
what he means to you. And that's a struggle. I know I can look around this room and just in my personal relationships with some of you, I know some of y'all still talk about your father in such glowing terms and how much you cared about him, how much you love him. And then there are others I know of who struggle in their relationships with their father. I say this all the time and, and that uh, many guys I know got daddy issues, all right? And that doesn't mean that daddy was wrong. It just means they didn't communicate well and they struggled. And until we get to a place of maturity to be able to discuss those things, then those issues never resolve. But the relationship between a parent and a child is stronger than the relationship between a husband and a wife. Hear me now. The relationship between a parent and a child is stronger than the relationship between husband and wife. Because in marriage, the two become one. However, for a parent and a child, the two were originally one. And so it's a stronger bond than that between husband and wife. Because a child is flesh of the flesh of the, of the parent's flesh and bone of the parent's bone. And it's, so it's hard when those situations are not working out because really, you ever seen folks say, uh, you act just like your folks? Well, that's because you are. <laughs> you look just like your folk. That's because you are part of your folk. And so this passage of Scripture talks, I think, most intimately about the relationship between a father and his son. Jesus was our Savior. He is our Savior. But he's also God's son. And God loved us enough that he was willing to sacrifice Jesus for our salvation. And you won't find many instances in Scripture where Jesus did not speak of God as his father. You won't find that. He was almost always intimate in his conversation with God. In fact, we find that God is a father in a number of ways in the Bible. First of all, in James, he's identified as the father of creation. Jeremiah lists him as the father of Israel. Matthew talks about him uniquely as the father of Jesus Christ. Psalms talks about him being a protective father, always emphasizing the fact that he, def that he defends the poor and the oppressed. And then lastly, in John and in Romans, he is referred to as our redemptive father. There's no doubt about the fact that God is a father figure. Father, father, daddy. And so for a little while, I want to talk about talking to my daddy. Talking to my daddy. Talking to my daddy, my father. How many of y'all know that when you talk to your father, you got to approach him a certain way? You might even need to think a little bit about what you're going to say, because you can't just come to daddy any kind of way. I mean, yeah, because you'll get straightened out real quick. He doesn't really have to say anything. He can just look at you. Matthew 6 and 9 says, Jesus said this, when you pray, say this, our Father. 
which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Jesus' first example in dealing with his father was that I need to give him honor. I need to reverence him. All right? There's a change in his attitude. He's not talking to him the same way he's talking to his disciples. He's not talking to him the same way he's talking to his friend. They're not contemporaries. There's an elevated tone of respect when it comes to dealing with him. But look at this. Fathers who get respect are fathers who give respect. And one of the difficulties a father, I mean, a child may have is when he has not been respected or feels like he's not been respected by his father. But look at this. There's no reason for Jesus not to elevate his honor and love for his father because he's always kept his word. He's always done what he said he was going to do. He's always dealt with Jesus Christ in righteousness and in holiness. And because of that, Jesus doesn't have any problem saying to him, hallowed be your name. You are what you say you are. Come on now, daddies. Some of us spend too much time trying to be something we're not for our children. Trying to elevate our stature in front of them by pulling in status when that doesn't get your child to love you anymore. Yeah, we want to show them things. We want to buy them things when really all they want is us. They just want to spend time with us. They, uh, we talk to them in too familiar tones. Come on, y'all know these daddies that still try to stay the same age as their kids. They want to dress like them and talk like them. They even act like them. Can I tell you something? There is a defining line. There's a line when there ought to be, you, you, should not, you should not walk in a room and not be able to tell who the senior person is in the room. Yeah, you, you shouldn't. How you carry yourself, the military calls it deportment. How you carry yourself. They also say, you know, when a person puts on a uniform and, and they come and they inspect you in the uniform, what they're looking for is your bearing how you look in that uniform, how you carry yourself in front of your children is so crucial. Look, children have little things anyway. They get embarrassed because you got the wrong kind of jeans on. They get embarrassed by that kind of stuff. It doesn't help when you show up at the party with some Jordache jeans on. Y'all, some of y'all ain't never heard of Jordache jeans. Good. Don't go looking for them. I don't know how many thrift stores you got to go through to get some Jordan's jeans. But, but, but don't wear them to the picnic. Trying to be cool. I tell this story, he's gone to glory now, but Karen had an uncle who tried to play the role. Yeah, I'm going to go in on him. He showed up at the family party one time. He was laid. Had on some, you know, the, 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 I forgot what the group was. He used to sing them song, that song called Skin Tight. Yeah. Well, he had on some skin tight jeans when he showed on, showed up. And, and when he turned around, it had Gloria Vanderbilt on the back. <laughs> Oh, 
I'm still laughing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he didn't either. <laughs> yeah. I'm still laughing. Yeah, you got to have somebody to check you out before you leave. Or else you mess up. You got to carry yourself in such a way that your bearing, your deportment demands respect from your children. You don't need to be so cool with all their friends. You don't need to be the coolest man in the room or in the neighborhood. You simply need to handle your business and take care of your children like you're supposed to. And that's why you get respect from them. Not only do you need to approach him properly, you also need to understand and acknowledge his purpose. Jesus said, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And so Jesus knew that his father had a spiritual plan for him. It was a simple spiritual uh, plan. And Jesus wanted the same thing that his father wanted. He wanted his kingdom to come. And so what Jesus was going to do was everything he possibly could do to make sure that his father's plan came into being. God's kingdom is a future plan. And that's hard to understand sometimes. Sometimes your plan for your children are in the future. And how many of y'all know, hear me now, that sometimes I have to sacrifice today so that tomorrow can be better for you. Same way with the Lord. I got to cut corners today. I got to make sure it might be cut to the bone, Dwayne, today. But tomorrow is going to be better and richer for you if you just follow, follow my plan. God's kingdom is the kingdom that we should all strive for. Asking for his will is acknowledging, too, that there's a greater will than yours. I think Mason said it when he came up here, and maybe the others alluded to it, that being a father or a parent, I should say, is hard because your children have their own mind. They do what they want to do. And at a certain point in time, all you can give is advice. And they don't have to follow it. They can make their own choices and follow their own pathway. But oh, what a blessing when you have given them an overarching purpose. They might make a choice immediately that's different than yours, but ultimately they'll follow the plan that's been set out for them. In other words, because they want the kingdom to come just like you want the kingdom to come. They might take a different pathway to get there, but they're trying to get to the same destination. Thy kingdom come. Joshua told us how to do it. He said, now you can stand here and you can, you can celebrate with all these little gods over here. Or you can take, as I have, the God who carried us out of Egypt. And he said, not only am I choosing that for myself, I'm also choosing that for my whole household. And so when you get old enough to make a choice yourself, family, you may choose to do something else, but it's not because you haven't been shown the way that you ought to go. Because as for me and my whole house, we serve the Lord. We say all the time, we can stand flat-footed in my family. And perhaps yours can as well. Whenever we have a big family gathering under the name of Jones, 
we can stand there flat-footed and say, do what you want to do, family. But it ain't because you don't know what to do. Because we know somebody who spent a lifetime telling us the right way to do it. Now, we've all come out and done things on our own. But George Jones told us how we ought to go. We have to deal with the consequences of that. Look, if your, parent, if your children don't know you have a spiritual plan, that's a problem. If your children don't see you praying, that's a problem. If your children aren't taught the basics of the Bible and Scripture by you, that's a problem. That's not the nursery's job. That's your home job. You ought to teach them who Jesus is, what he means, and the value he has in your life. Not only do you acknowledge the same purpose that Jesus acknowledged from his Father, but you also, my friends, have to accept the provision that he gives you. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, modern times have just messed this all up because long gone are the days when most families sit down at a table united and eat together when one pot took care of everybody. Gone are those days. Most of the time we're stopping by McDonald's and Chick-fil-A and Taco Bell, whatever the case, everybody gets to choose their own thing. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. All right, if that's how you feed your family, I don't have a problem with dinner in the car. I've done it enough time myself. You can be united under those circumstances. All you've done is move the kitchen table to another location. As long as you're together doing that, that's fine. You can still pray over your food. You can still thank the Lord for the provisions he's given you even while you're in the car on your way to the next activity. We can't compare today and yesterday in terms of raising children and activities. Why? Because we as a society have shifted things. We have allowed them to violate days and times that we held sacred. And we play into that. We used to not let people mess with our Sundays with activities. That didn't happen. We didn't let people mess with our Wednesdays when it came to activities. We had times that were reserved for spiritual activities, but those things have changed. And that shifts how you operate in your house. All I'm saying is whatever the shift is, don't shift away from the Lord. Don't turn away from him. Make sure he's infused in everything you do, whatever the circumstances, and that's simply part of what you have to do as a parent these days. You got to accept his provision. Look, he says, give us our, the words us and our, get away from selfishness and show concern for other folk, not just in my household, but those who need it. Today, today, when you're dealing with your father eliminates worry. In other words, I don't have to be concerned about what's happening tomorrow, which we spend a whole lot of our time being concerned about. Lord, just take care of us today. Fathers, what pressure do you take off, off yourself when you're just concerned about making sure the house is all right today? Most of us struggle. Already sitting up here now, as soon as the baby's born, you rush out because you got to start a college fund. You've already jumped 18 or 19 years in terms of your stress and your worry when all you need to do is be concerned, Lord, take care of us right now. Get us from this day to the next day and bless us as you do so. Whatever resources we need. And then give us our, our daily bread, Lord. Every believer 
is going to be taken care of daily by God the Father. I wonder if y'all believe that. I wonder if you believe that it's your energy that makes it possible for you to have what you need every day. See, that's the problem of too much. Too much makes us think that it's not God, but it's us who make it happen every day. But the truth of the matter is, God is still the one blessing you with what you have. If I, if, if I can be blunt with you, you're depending on a job that ain't guaranteed. I, I don't care what your position is. I don't care how essential you think you are to the system. Anything can happen and you will be praying from day to day, Lord, please make sure me and my family got something to eat today. Today, all that shifted is you have put your assurance not in the Lord, but in your own energy, your connections, your position. I came to tell you today, don't get away from God. He's the foundation for everything you have. It's not popular to preach like this today because we tell folk to go out and get good jobs and make a lot of money as if that's the guarantee that everything in your life is going to be all right. Daddies, teach your children that money won't ever be the reason why they're all right. Money won't ever be that reason. It doesn't matter how much money you have, you can still be rich and miserable. You can still be rich and lonely. You can still be rich and full of demons tearing you up. Money is not the solution to your problem. You need someone who can give you peace at night. You don't have peace just because your bank account has a number of zeros in it. That's not peace. In fact, most folk who got money like that worry even more. Yeah, because just like them zeros go up, they can come down too. And the stress builds as your bank account declines. I love the fact that people who have all these degrees forget about the God who got the degree for them. You came out of a house where your mom and daddy didn't even have a good high school education. And yet, you got a degree. There's no way their income should have been able to afford you going to that college. And yet, they paid your tuition. You didn't have no student loan. You ate better than anybody else on campus because your mama would box up some potted meat and some Vienna sausages and some crackers and send them up there to you. And now you're mad because you can't call your folk and get $20 a day put on your ID, whatever the card is, the main card, the, whatever it is. The truth of the matter is, if you teach your children, be concerned about the provision for today. Let the Lord bless you today. Then you will give them something much more valuable than they'll get at any institution of higher learning. He also said, give us bread. Bread is indication of necessities. Too much time we spend not on necessities of life, but on accessories of life. Yeah, we, we spend a lot of time trying to get all the accessories of life. And we overlook those things that are truly, truly essential. 
And then I want you to know that Jesus' prayer tells us that when you're talking to your father, not only do you ask him for daily provision, but you also got to be aware of his patience. His patience with us. Look, look at verse 12. It says, and forgive us our, our debts as we forgive our debtors. Can I tell you a story? When I was in college, I used to be broke all the time. It's all right. Every now and then, somebody would send me some money. Do you know that, I got to confess this. Do you know that sometimes I would go and buy beer before I would buy food? Now, some of y'all squirming in here because that sounds familiar to you. Yeah, I was already broke. But I wasn't concerned about the necessities, just concerned about the accessories. And I spent my money on the accessories and was broke again. And guess what? The Lord was patient with me. Of course, I couldn't call back home and ask for no more money or wherever it came from. And I found out when I got a little older, I found out it was, it was stupid. It was not good choices. And I realized as I got older how silly that kind of living was. But I'm sad to tell y'all today that, that, that some of y'all still ain't learned that lesson. <laughs> Hello now. I, I know that don't just happen in college. Some of y'all work hard for your money and go to the state store. <sighs> As soon as that deposit hits the bank. Come on now, you know what I'm talking about. And guess what? Just like the Lord was patient with me, he's still patient with you. Even though he blesses you with the provision you need, you still misuse those provisions. Yeah, and sometimes it ain't a bottle. Sometimes it's a sack. Uh-oh. Y'all well, know what a sack is. Yeah. D don't act new because weed ain't new. <laughs> yeah, in other words, you're spending it on something that you think will alter your mood. But all it does is provide a distraction from what the reality of life is. But he's patient. He's patient, just like fathers have to be patient. Somehow, patience seems better when it's coming to us than when we're having to give it to someone. You ever notice how you're more patient with your own children than you are with somebody else's children? Yeah, they might be doing the same thing, but they bad as all get out. But when your child doing something like that, they just got a little, they just kind of high strung. Patience. Yeah, the Lord gives us all the same degree of patience, and just like Jesus prayed for it, we have to all ask the Lord to forgive us for our debts, just like we have to be patient enough to forgive other people. And then lastly, we want to we make sure we appreciate his protection. Oh, he protects us. Verse 13 says, and, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Do you know what your tempters are? Are you aware of the things that tempt you? Have you paid attention to those things that call you, that pull you? They don't always have to be evil. 
they simply have to be distracting. They have to be distracting, and, and, and everybody got something that distracts them, that calls to them. I've been struggling lately because I know, I've told you, one of my struggles is sugar. It's a struggle for me. It's a struggle. It pulls me away from righteous living because it makes me overindulge in things. And I justify it and I play about it. And guess what? The more you put yourself in those situations, the worse the consequences are for you. And fortunately, the Lord hadn't allowed me to get these health problems that come along with the sugar. But hey, I can't keep doing it and expect it, that there won't be consequences. And so I've got to put sugar in check. Now, the question is, what do you put in check? I'm talking about the kind of sugar, like when I stop and fill up the car, uh, put gas in the car, I got to buy some Reese's Cups when I come out to the, you know, the gas station. Stuff like that. It just calls me before I go to sleep at night. I'm looking for some cookies or something like that to eat. And, and you know, Oreos will talk to you. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah well, when I say this, cookies. Cookies, it ain't got to be Oreos. It, 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 Dre. Dre, we lonely. Now, I'm going in on what my tempters are, but do you have any? Do you have some things that are, you're struggling with? And if so, how much power do you allow them to have over your life? Now, some of them might be, I don't think sugar is innocuous, honestly. I think the addiction to something like sugar can be as bad as an addiction to a drug. I do. But how many of you have struggles? Struggles with other situations. Some folk just have to shop. It doesn't matter if they don't buy anything. They just got to go in a store and look and touch it. And, and, and every now and then you're going to bring something out now. It's designed to give you, that's why, don't you know, that's why they give you those bonus points on your credit card. Yeah, to make you think, where do you think they give you cold cash? I bet you can't use cold cash at McDonald's. They want you to spend cold cash in cold. And that's why they keep egging you and pulling you on. Everybody's got systems like that. Drug dealers got systems like that. They do the same thing in different ways. Help me, Lord. Help me to deal with whatever it is I'm tempted by today. Some of us stop praying about that because we got arrogant enough to think that we don't have no temptation. And I came here to tell you today that that's exactly when you're going to get in trouble. When you think you don't have to ask the Lord no more to help you with your temptation, you're going to fall in the hole right in front of you. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, he prayed. He told us that we got to always pray that God will keep us out of bad situations. And sometimes we put stuff on the devil that ain't the devil's fault. We lie on the devil, y'all. Yeah, we, we do, because we make those choices ourselves and then blame the devil for it. Romans 8 and 31 and 38 says, 
what then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? I heard Mason. He got there to the end of his, of his discussion today about being a father, and he got fooled. And the reason he got fooled is because the conversation he was having that says, when my children need me, they know all they got to do is reach out to me. And whatever I have, they know they're going to get it. It doesn't matter if they've been good or bad. If they're my children, I'm going to come to them. I'm going to take everything God has blessed me with and use it to the benefit of my children. And sometimes we mistakenly believe that there's something that can separate us from the love of our Father. I came to tell you today that there's nothing that can separate you from the love of your Father. Not just your heavenly Father, but a true Father won't allow anything to come between him and his children. I told my children when they left home, I said, you can go and live the way you want to, but you can always, always, always come home. There is nothing you can ever do that will stop you from being able to come back here. Other folk may be mad at you. Other folk may dislike you, but you always got a home wherever we are. I'm persuaded that there's nothing in life, no angels, no principalities, no powers, no things present or things to come that can separate us from the love of God, which is through Christ Jesus, and therein lies the end. How many of you have given your children the gift of knowing that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Oh, oh that's a gift. I've seen some people, when their parents die, they are upset for two reasons. They're upset because parent passed away, and then they're doubly upset because they didn't know if parent was saved. Now that's a tragedy. And so how many of you have given your children the relief of knowing that not only have you been working hard on this side to make sure that they are secure on this side, but you have secured eternity for yourself on the other side by accepting the gift of salvation. I'd say that's the best way to start being a good earthly father. You need to first, before you can expect your children to learn how to talk to you, you need to learn how to talk to God above. And the first thing you can do is tell him thank you for sending his son, Jesus Christ. There is one little complication. And I got to tell you this now. Although mankind was created by virtue of the power of God, and he loves us all, only those who are truly loving the Lord and believe in his son are qualified to call him their father. Oh, don't get that twisted now. He created us all, but not every one of us is his child through Jesus Christ. And the question is, have you accepted the gift that Jesus gave us? 
by dying for us on the cross. Have you accepted the gift that John talked about in the 16th verse of chapter 3 when he told us how much the Father loves us? He loves us so much that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believed in him would never perish but would have everlasting life. Have you talked to him? Have you given yourself to him? Right about now, as the leaders of the church come, I'm empowered to extend an invitation to you. Invitation is simple. Believe in Jesus Christ. Believe he lived, believe he died, believe he was resurrected again. Place your faith in him. And the Bible says that if you do this, you will have eternal life. If you've never done that before, what a there's no better gift to give your children and your family than a relationship with him. If you're here today and you've never accepted him, no better satisfaction to give your father than to let him know you've heard the voice and you accept salvation. While the Women's Tribute Choir stands to sing a song, the doors of our church are wide open. We'll baptize you. We'll welcome you back home. Whatever the case may be, the doors of our church are wide open.